0: Hello and welcome to Blue Royalty, a Londoner's Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I am joined today by Abdullah Abdullah. We are here to chat about the return of Chelsea as the international break has wrapped up. Looking ahead today to the FA Cup semi-final against Aston Villa taking place on Sunday. Um, Abdullah, how are you feeling about the return of the Mighty Blues?
1: Uh, I'm excited. It's good. It's, it feels like it's been forever since I've seen them play, even though it's not been forever. It just feels like a long long time and it's kind of nice to finally get into the business end of the season, the, the final stretch, the the home run, any other synonyms for the final act of the season um that I can use. But yeah, no, I'm excited. Champions League in, in a week's time as well. So, uh it's a, it's a good time. It's a good time to be to be watching football and Chelsea again.
0: Yeah, I think it's nice to have got to the point where, look, there's no more interruptions. We've done all the international breaks. There are potentially 11 more games to go, and we've just got to try and win as many of them as we can, uh, starting off off with this game on Sunday, which I think will be an interesting tone setting for the rest of the games to come, shall we say. Um, but before we start talking about Villa... Let's have a little look at the international break because it was quite an eventful one for, for Chelsea players. Um feel like we should probably start with Sam Kerr helping en- Australia end England's 30-game unbeaten run, which is insane. Just like every time I say that, I'm like, wow, that was so many games to be unbeaten for. Um, she got a rest against Scotland, although she did meet uh, the other Sam Kerr still, which was nice to see. Um... But Abdullah, like, the question we have to ask is, how has Sam Kerr got so much into Leah Williamson's head?
1: <laughs> That's probably a very good question to ask. And, and um, it's crazy. Leah Williamson looks so scared every time Sam just made a run, whether it was just to drop deep or just kind of go, go out to the wings. Williamson was just scared. I mean, that long ball over the top for the first goal should have been a simple head, header back to, to, to Mary ups. And it was just... Alright, you're in control, you're in control, and then just a weak header, and then just Samka goes. So I was like, I've never seen I was telling you just now, right? I've never seen Leah Williamson so thrown off by a striker and Samka really just like messed with their head and suddenly you're like, Whew, okay. Um that's a slight that's a slight problem. Um But you know what? If it works against Arsenal in the league, then I'm good. If 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 this is the precursor to the league game late in the season, then I'm all good. They should be all like that. The social media team should just repost that goal just casually the day of, day before, and just be like, right, Leo Williamson, just, just FYI, remember what happened last time. <laughs> but it's crazy how, yeah. how that happened and, and, and what happened.
0: Yeah, between that goal uh, at Brentford and the the Emirates goal that Kerr's scored, there's definitely a real sense that um, Williamson gets pretty freaked out when when Kerr's around. But yeah, it was a really impressive win for Australia. Um, We spoke a little bit yesterday about uh, World Cup hopes, etc., etc. But I think it was really just good to see some looking at looking more sprightly shall we say that maybe we'd seen her recently for Chelsea obviously that rest against Scotland I think was really important just to give her a bit of time off and then I'm sure she'll be feeling good after after getting the goal and the assist um in the in the 2-0 win it wasn't a great international break for England they did win the Finalissima on penalties at Wembley um having conceded a late-late equaliser from a Mary Earp's mistake. But it wasn't a spectacular performance in that game. And then obviously the loss to Australia on top of that. We did see, though, Lauren James and Carter get a significant chunk of minutes. Is it fair to say these two were actually maybe England's Standout performers during this international break?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past that. I was particularly impressed with Jess Carter. I thought playing at left back now and, and kind of suddenly for both Chelsea and for um, for England, she's suddenly become a, a de facto fullback option. Like it's and, and and she's actually playing well. I mean, we're going back to the the age old thing about Jess Carter's. Is she a fullback? Is she a centre back? And when she, when she starts declining at fullback, we're like she's not a fullback; she's a centre back. And then when she does play well, you're like, well, maybe there is something about this whole Jess Carter at fullback position. And but I I I, I think in in these games and and from an, from an individual performance, I really like Jess Carter at fullback. And I thought and I think you know what? I think personally, I think she's become a lot more athletic than she was probably like a year ago. You can see a physical change in her body you can see her getting a lot fitter she looks stronger she looks like she's buffed up a little bit and she's lost a little bit of weight which is i think from a, from from a from an athletic point of view to be able to play this role i, th- I think has really helped her out and i think that's why we're probably seeing but more, more consistency in her performances and her being able to play a couple you know a couple of games a week and, and again slowly but surely improving in, in in the role i think it comes down to the fact that both Lauren James and Jess Carter, and I think there was a point where I think against Australia they were playing on the same side, Lauren James and Jess Carter, which I and there was a little bit of a chemistry there in terms of the the pairing on the wing, which I was like, that's is that something for the future. Is that something that Emma Hayes? I think she was commentating on the game, so is that something she's looking at and going? You know, maybe, maybe that's that's an option. Uh, you know, come come a couple of games here, but at the end of the day, I think I think for Jess Carter, it's a very, it's a position, it's a position I think that she. Can play if um, if if the game requires it. I don't think she should be playing there every single game. So I think maybe against Australia and 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 at some point against Brazil, I think these are these are games where maybe in some tactical sense it makes sense against certain types of wingers that maybe want to stay on the outside and a bit more individualistic, uh, like Haley Rasso versus Jess Carter. Uh, I'm not saying she completely dominated Haley Rasso, but you can see the logic behind keeping Haley Rasso pinned down. She's a very individual, wants to hug the touchline, traditional sort of winger. So I think it makes sense over there. And then her. Game going forward has improved, so yeah, I, I think I think we've, we we would have learned a lot from both of them playing. And Lauren James is Lauren James. I think she her individual brilliance, her able to kind of come inside and do things on her own. I think that just keeps standing out and just getting better and better. So for me, I think we learned a lot more about Jess Carter than we did about Lauren James. But yeah, probably two of the better players for England in this break, and uh, it's been it's been pretty good.
0: Yeah, I think it'll be really interesting to see how. Wiegmann uses Jess going forward because obviously in some ways she came by the left back position in these games because of Millie's absence. And in the Brazil game, Alex Greenwood was used as as a centre back, whereas previously she'd been used as a left back. And then Alex Greenwood um, went home because of concussion protocol. So Esme Morgan came, came in there. But given how well Jess played... I don't really feel like Greenwood's necessarily got that left-back position locked down. And it, it will be really interesting to see if maybe Jess could become a starter um, for, for England heading into the World Cup. I definitely think she'll go to the World Cup, um, which is like great for her. I think it's really clear how much Wiegmann trusts her as a player. She was one of the few non-starters who actually got minutes during the Euros, which I think tells you a lot about uh, Wiegmann's perception of her. Personally, I would have liked to maybe see her at centre back alongside Leah Williamson, um, and to have given maybe Neve the option at uh, the opportunity at left back. Uh, I just think Carter is potentially more reliable than a player like Esme Morgan um, in terms of being able to support Williamson, who I think it's really clear she needs she needs support in that role. I think we saw that in both games, um, and, and Millie Bright was a really big miss for that. That reason. Um, The other thing I want to touch on is just the kind of way people have spoken about both Lauren James and and even more so Jess Carter during this international break, um, which I think has been a real. uh, It's been shit, basically. I think there's this real perception of Jess Carter, which feels like it's hard not to think that it's got something to do with the fact that she's not white um, and and her inclusion with the, in the England squad. And I feel like anyone who actually watched the England games uh, this international break will see why Jess Carter was included in the England squad and, and how good she was. I mean, I know some people kind of felt like there was an error for, for her on that Brazil goal, but like Brazil probably don't score there unless Mary Earps literally palms the ball out uh, to Andresa Alves. Um, but yeah I, I'm really happy for Jess because I think you know anyone who watches Chelsea regularly has known for a long time how much she's grown over the past couple of seasons even fighting her way back kind of into the starting lineup at Chelsea this season having played so many minutes last year um, and it's just crazy to me that uh, when people, people who seem to think that like they'd prefer to see of Moy play for England over Jess Carter uh, no thank you that one is not for me <laughs> All right, mm-hmm. let's move on to some of the other Chelsea performances. Abdullah, did you see any of the ridiculous saves that Anne Katrinberger managed to pull off against the Netherlands?
1: Oh my god! Like, it just it's just I think it's just the AKB pull off unbelievable save part of the season because you saw Leon, you saw again you know, get for Germany against the Netherlands and then against Brazil. I mean, it's just it's just crazy. It's like you're coming towards the end of the season and. You have the question marks of the goalkeeping situation at Chelsea and AKB goes, no, I'm not the one leaving. You cannot make me go. Like, I'm just going to pull off this insane run of form now when you have to make a decision. And so I am saying it's up to it's up to the other two. So it's crazy. I mean, AKB is in the, in the form of a life and I don't see anybody else starting for Chelsea other than AKB for the rest of the season. Because when you got this AKB... You don't, I don't want any other keeper in the world to be in, in between the sticks. AKB is that good when she's in this type of form.
0: Yeah, it was great to see. I, I guess another player who, you know, at Chelsea we really appreciate and maybe hasn't always got um, the same level of attention in her national team. That's kind of due to the fact that Germany's goalkeeping depth is absolutely outrageous. I don't know what they feed their goalkeepers <laughs> there, but they just seem to make absolute beasts. Um, but Merla Fromm's uh, picked up an injury, so... AKB got quite a lot of minutes uh, during the international break, which was really rich. She looks like she's in immense form right now. We also saw a little bit of Melanie Potts with that Batman mask on, having broken her nose against Leon. Um, I don't know if it suits Leupold as much as it suits other players, but Lauren Hemp was we'll wearing one, we'll right? we see. Lauren Hemp was wearing one as well. I think she always looks good with her. Yeah.
1: Well. Yeah. She looks like Batgirl. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah um Mel- Melly's like was almost too big for her i think yeah, i yeah, don't know yeah, yeah. it just didn't work with her vibe it didn't work <laughs> with her vibe um elsewhere we saw lots of minutes for, for sophie ingall marami aldi perese Canarid, musovic ericsson Ryson. all of those players were playing lots and lots for their countries uh, i don't know was there any of the other international break games that particularly stood out to you
1: I think we've got to talk about Norway Sweden being three three. I mean that was a insane. That was such a. Th- I mean it was like eighty five minutes in. and I was like, okay, Norway winning, it's fine. It's probably end up in five six minutes, we'll be done. And then you just watch like the next ten minutes. You go, how in the world have Sweden come back? Norway and then Sweden go ahead and then Norway come back. And it was just an insane, an insane game. I think there was some good performances in there. Um, I, I, I Canada was fine. Ericsson, I think you know, I don't know if at fault, but I think positioning wasn't great for one or two, one or two of the goals. Brighton was, was Brighton. Musevich kind of had a few minutes there. So, um, and then Mialda was, 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 I think was, was Mialda, which was always good. So I, I thought that game just in general, from a defensive point of view for both sides was just a, a mess a little bit in terms of some of the positioning and the way they going And from an attacking point of view, I thought it was great. So really, I think for Brighton and Canard, it was, a, it was a better game than for any of the defensive players. Um, and kind of, I think just a shout out to to Eve for France. I, th- I thought France, obviously under heavy Renaud now, new new era starts in, under the French uh, uh, team, and you know she had a few minutes, and they 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 came up with a couple of big wins, and and, and they looked good. And I thought Perisay was was her her usual comfortable best at uh, playing for France at, at fullback. So uh, I think it's just bad, good for us that Perisay getting minutes and, and and kind of showing the form that we you know we, we ended up buying her for. So yeah, I thought those two were, were games that stood out for me.
0: Yeah, and just finally to to touch on, Khadija Buchanan came home from camp before Canada played France. I feel like we don't really have anything to worry about here, Abdullah. This felt a, a more like a sneaky Chelsea move, uh, given that they claimed there was an injury from before she went on camp, even though she'd been on camp for eight days. Uh, so the maths wasn't really mathing math there for me. Um, do you think I'm right? Am I being silly that I'm trusting Emma Hayes playing little games or are we going to be playing Carter and Mielder at <laughs> a centre-back against Villa?
1: <laughs> no, I, I, think, I think you're right. I think if you've been at camp for eight days, it's really easy to say, right? We told you before there was a potential injury. We've given you her for eight days. You know what? We can't take this. We've got to bring her back. She's complaining about pain. So it's a nice, easy tactical move to say, right? We told you. It's not like we're telling you now last minute. So bring her back. And then I wouldn't be surprised if we see... Uh, buchanan uh starting the game on on, on sunday uh, alongside of jess but mara miel the jet oh my god mara miel that Jess a sense center back i don't even want to think about that that's just that's rachel Daly versus those two is uh <laughs> is scary mm,
0: mm, yeah yeah hopefully i think i think hopefully it will be okay all right we'll take a quick ad break here when we come back we'll get into the game against the love that's being played on sunday
2: when you're drafting your fantasy team do you ever wish that you could handpick the best stars for your business team look if you're building a talented roster you need indeed stop spending hours on multiple job sites finding the perfect candidate for the position because look indeed has all of the tools you need in one place to hire at warp speed sponsor a job and they're going to match you with the quality candidates whose resumes fit the job description you post right away you start hiring fast and look indeed knows that you're growing your business you have to make every dollar count that's why with indeed you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements visit indeed.com slash blue wire to start hiring now just go to indeed.com slash blue wire indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply cost per application pricing not available for everyone need to hire you need indeed
0: So, Abdullah, I actually realised we never spoke to you about this game um, because it was late at night. Uh, So (laughs) that was an episode where I had Nick and Ollie on. Um, But it was a pretty comprehensive win for Chelsea the last time these two teams met, just before the international break. Uh, For anyone who missed it or has forgotten, like I normally do, whatever happened before the international break... It was a 3-0 win for Chelsea. Goals from Yelena Cankovic, Guru Wrighton and Sam Kerr in the 22nd, 43rd and 56th minute to make for a very, very comfortable match. Um, I think what stood out in this game last time, Abdullah, was the intensity Chelsea were able to find, even after that absolutely mammoth game against Lyon really felt like... Chelsea had always had a weight lifted off their shoulders or were still um, kind of buzzing off the back of that game and forced Villa into some errors that they really shouldn't have made. We know that Chelsea don't always look great after international breaks. Occasionally do look a bit sluggish. Do you think it will be the same kind of tactic again? Just like go hard as... From as early as possible and get some quick goals.
1: I think so. I think so. I think. I think. Yeah, I, I, I remember. Watch. I was watching the game, and 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 one thing I noticed was that Chelsea were really out of the blocks really quickly, really pressing Aston Villa because I think they've been a really really good team this season. I think. I mean, they're they're up there in the in, in you know fifth place for a reason, fighting for fourth and when you look at the midfield that they have in in, in like Lucy Staniforth I know she uh, I know she plays it she was playing a right back that day but you got you know like Staniforth, Jordan Nobbs, Kenza Daly, Rachel Daly up front, you know Kirsty Hansen. So there's Alicia Lehmann. you've got players there who are really dangerous uh in midfield and, and up fronts and I think Chelsea knowing the way that they had to you know, the way that they had to play, I think they had to come out and be quick because you don't want to give Villa the chance to to be able to play out from the back and allow those players to kind of control and dictate play and and, and kind of work it out from there. Um, So I think Chelsea have to do the same thing. My only concern ends up being that How much do you want to expend before the big Champions League game? I know that there's a week in between, and so probably that's probably the only saving grace that they can have from going just go all out on Sunday, and then you've got four or five days to rest and prepare for the next big game. Because, uh, And then not to forget, obviously, a lot of these players are coming back from international duty, and and they'll be a little bit tired from there. So we've got to have to see how the workload goes, because you can't go all out today having played an international break, coming in A week and then going again on Sunday, sorry, uh, you know, Saturday next week, and then the following, you know, Thursday, having to then do it again against Barcelona, second leg. So it's not like you're playing a Roma or something in a Champions League where you could maybe take it easy. Fang Barcelona, probably arguably the hardest tie that Chelsea could have gotten. So I think, I think there's got to be maybe not for for the full 90 minutes but I feel like there's going to be periods of maybe like 5 10 minute bursts of like all right we need to press me to go and I think like in the previous game if Chelsea can wrap the game up early like 56 minutes then they started making changes I think you do the same thing again and you um you play and I think I think I think rotation has got to play a part in this in this game coming into uh coming into uh, coming into Saturday because I think you know, Emma Hayes has got to be wary of, of the schedule. And then she has to know, how do we, uh, you know, how do we do, how do we, how do we manage this?
0: Yeah. It's interesting because the schedule feels like, or kind of logically is a game a week, but because of how the games all fall, it's not, it's three games in 11 days. Um, so it is pretty tight in terms of some of those turnarounds, um, I guess we actually saw some of that rotation in the original Villa game when the three kind of standout players for me were Kanarud, Jankovic and Fleming, um, who I thought were really, really effective in, in terms of their press, in terms of their energy. There's kind of a balance that needs to be found, right, Abdullah, between bringing players in to just kind of try and get the job done, and then, but also thinking about... Who do you want for Barcelona? Like you don't necessarily just want to drop a player in who maybe hasn't played against Villa into that Barcelona starting eleven on Saturday. There's also trying to balance, okay, maybe we know Barcelona is the priority, but getting to an FA Cup final will be a big good vibes boost you know you'd expect us to beat Villa because we literally beat them two weeks ago 3-0 how do you think Hayes goes about balancing uh, those kind of competing influences ahead of this match
1: uh it's a tough one, right? Because you know that this is another potential trophy on the uh, on the horizon to come in, and if you win a semi final, you get into another, yet another final. And I think for Chelsea, the minimum expectation is to reach finals, uh, if not if not win them altogether. Um, yeah, you know, it's tough because if this game was around any other match, you maybe think that there's a stronger chance that she brings in the bigger guns for this and, and then goes from there. But when you've got it against you know, on the backdrop of arguably the biggest game of your season and and, and almost the season-defining one, I think Emma Hayes is going to go, all right, who are my absolute key players that I can either do without in this game or most likely what will happen is who can I play for a short amount of time and then, um, you know, take off or or, or not start and bring on later. So I think the likes of, you know, you, you talked about J.R.K., Kankovic, Fleming, I think... Those are the kinds of players that who have possibly not played as much as they they probably should have. But I think relying on on those players who who are like the first options off the bench to start, I think ends up being super important. And then you have players like Mielda, players like Eriksson coming in, you know, and whatnot. And I think from your 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 starting front three, I mean, I, I, you know, we talk you talked about this. I think you tweeted about this during the first Villa game. Sam Kerr looked so tired. In, in you know in, in that thing she every time she she made a run she was on her knees like you know out of breath and I think when she went off she was uh, she was super grateful for it and I think even against England she was looking a little bit tired there as well so I think I mean the problem is Chelsea don't have another striker so it's like you play Neve Charles it's like this is who seems to be the next option up there which I don't know if you want to do that against Villa again in, in a semifinal so. I think it's just for me. It's most important just managing your front three, who are probably the most important players that you have. So Guro Wright and Sam Kerr and Lauren James. So I think Lauren or JR, you know Lauren or Guru can be replaced by JRK, and then I don't know if you want to play Neve Charles up in one of those attacking areas as as two of the three placements. But so I think I w- I would play those two in in one of the three two of the three positions, and then one of those three has to then play up front. I would maybe even just try playing Lauren James as a striker, you know? So, I mean, so, so, but it's like, when you try and find these, you know, you've got to try and find these options and then that's where you've got to go and say, okay, who can I play more for this game and play for Barcelona? And then who can I not afford to play two games in a row and then lose out? So, you know, the answer would be, right, maybe Sam has to manage a little bit better. So... Yeah, but it's a tough one because how do you, because with the squad the way it is, and you don't have two, three key players, you've you've almost got to basically tell half of them saying, you've just got to play and you've just got to put in one hundred and fifty percent in the next three games and and just kind of tell them look through motivation and adrenaline and, and saying this season's defining three games, if we win them, we're home and dry and then we can probably get a rest after that. So yeah, that's probably it's a, but it's a tough one.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see you know, where that balance is found. And I guess, like all of these things, I'm sure it'll be done based personally on, on the player. There's clearly some players who are able to play more minutes than others. I do wonder if we'll see Lauren James rested just because she played so many minutes for England. And she's a player who um, I feel like often does need out still. Um, but I'd imagine we'd see Wright and anker Kerr, Start so maybe it will, we'll see the same kind of front three that we saw before the international break of Wright and Kerr and Cano which I think would be would be good. Um, one thing that kind of did stand out in this game and just stand out stands out when you look at any Aston Villa team sheet is the threat from Rachel Daly. Um, we kind of got away with one, uh, I think, in the in the previous match whereby Daly decided to try and back heel the ball um, into the net, which kind of allowed Mucevic to get down to it rather than, I don't know, just sticking her boot through it in a more normal manner. Um, she's definitely a, a player who can cause problems. We've seen her cause Chelsea problems before at Villa and when she was on that funny little COVID loan spell at West Ham. Uh, how, how do you think we should go about... Dealing with her. Um, obviously, no Millie Bright. Is this a case where we're again looking to play Buchanan, assuming she's fit, and Ericsson together, seeing as that is probably going to have to be our centre-back pairing for, for Barcelona? Is the priority here just to get those two as many minutes together as possible at this point?
1: I think so. I think so. Yeah. If you, if you know that Millie Bright's not going to be fit in, in a week's time, and obviously not for, for this weekend as well, then you've got to basically play the players, especially in this, in the, in the fact that they haven't played too many minutes together. You've got to develop that understanding in whatever minutes you can. And uh, I, I almost think center backs one of those positions where you're almost, you are, Running around and doing a lot of th- using a lot of energy, but I think more than the physical expenditure, I think it's it's the understanding, the the chemistry, and and the mental understanding between you in terms of your positioning, knowing where each other stands, and knowing which what what each what each one does becomes way more important. So it's one of those positions where I think yeah you're gonna have to play the two likeliest candidates and who are gonna play be playing at center back. Basically, all ninety minutes today, uh, you know, on, on for this game against Villa, and then hopefully that that stands good for the game against Barcelona in the first leg, and then obviously that carries forward into the the second leg. So, um, I'm sure they have some understanding. Obviously, having played a few games together, and then obviously in training every day and knowing how each other plays. But I think yeah, in a match tense situation, pressure situation, it really does uh, it really does change, and and coming up against. You know, arguably one of the better strikers. You know, if not the second, third, you know, third best striker after Bunny and Sam Kerr, um, Rachel Daly. I think it's a good test for them to come up against uh, a quick striker, knows how to play between the lines, knows how to, knows how to, you know, work it around. And it's it's a good test coming up against J C or uh you know, against Barcelona, who are maybe similar type of striker in terms of their pace and movement. So I think it's a good it's a good. Uh, Audition, set up, practice for for that game in a sense, but yeah, Rachel Daly brings her own threats uh, uh, every time.
0: Yeah, definitely, and I think she'll probably uh, be maybe fired up a little bit from having not really got to play with with England and and also having lost the game before. Um, okay, so in terms of starting lineup, then if we're thinking about it from a Chelsea perspective, I would personally bring AKB back into goal, even though. We we did play Musaevich there in the previous game. Probably going with if available the Buchanan-Erikson centre back partnership, maybe with Jess Carter. I think at left back um, because Neve Charles did struggle a bit with Alicia Lehman in the in the previous match and and Eve at right back again. Erin Cuthbert is a bit of a question mark obviously she was on the bench for the previous game but then pulled out of Scotland camp I'm hoping that was just precautionary so if she's back I'd be inclined to start her again to just give her a little bit of a run around having therefore not played football for about 10 days um with Sophie Ingle um then I'm just kind of not sure I guess and Kerr and Canerid maybe up from that 10 position is still a bit of a mystery to me but Trankovic looks good every time she plays there, so maybe that's what you go with. Um, again, give Leupolps a bit more rest. Do you think that's. Does that sound right to you, Abdullah, in terms of a kind of rough lineup? Uh, we know Emma will just come out with something like weird and bizarre, <laughs> and I don't know. Also Emily it, Orman
1: maybe, starts. <laughs>
0: Yeah,
1: well, exactly. <laughs> Who knows? But <laughs> uh, no, no. I, I, jokes. I know. Joke, I agree. I think that's that's probably the right lineup. And I think between that midfield, you got Kasper, Ingle, Kankovich, Fleming, Leupold. I think between Leupold, Ingle, Ingle, and Kasper, I think you need to keep one of them for Barcelona fresh, like absolutely fresh. And I think let's. I think I think you're right in terms of if Kasper is available, just because of the lack of football, you play her. Sophie Ingle is an ever-stay in that midfield. I'm actually slightly worried about Sophie Ingle because, like, she's playing every single game all the time, minutes, 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 and there's no backup. So that's a bit of a concern, and and I I don't know how I feel about Aaron Cuthbert-Leupold going into that as a double pivot. Um, But... Yeah, I think, I think I agree with you in that midfield. I think I think Aaron and Ingle in midfield, and then you rest Leupold's, or even give her like maybe a 10-minute run around uh, towards the end of the game just to get some some blood in the legs and save her for Barcelona. Um, see, between Fleming and Kankovic, I start Kankovic because I actually have a feeling that I think Fleming starts against Barcelona in the first leg uh, because of her off Ooh. ball. I know that's an episode for later. We'll talk about it later, later next week. But like... Um because I think I think they're gonna need legs and I think they need a little bit of running around. So I think I think we've talked about Jesse Fleming playing that role. So I accidentally Kankovic starts and um you could probably end up playing, yeah, I think I think Kerr starts regardless, and then I would play JRK and um and and, 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 and leave Charles possibly as the other winger. So, and then you have, but the rest of the team, I agree with you. That's probably where I would, I would go as well.
0: All right. Well, we will obviously find out on Sunday what Emma Hayes chooses to go with, might get a bit better ideas. I to say we might get better ideas from training photos and press conferences, but we all know Emma is the master minute place when it comes to those things. So I don't know if we'll know anything about anyone's fitness, uh, until we get the team sheets. Uh, Let's take another quick ad break here, but we'll come back after this and have a little bit of a look at the rest of the season.
2: Bet you didn't see this coming. Hope you're ready to hear editor Jake's voice for a while in the ads. (laughs) Ha ha! This time we're coming with Shady Rays. Kick off the new year with new gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and more. Shady Rays is a world-class sunglasses company, independently built, that'll have you thinking you're wearing some of the world's top brands that you already know, with durable frames and extremely clear optics not only clear optics but clear ethics as well having donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with feeding america something that we have done at london's blue Podcast. so and if you're worried you won't like your pair they will exchange it they'll give you a new pair or you can return them for free within 30 days and if you're worried you might break them thanks to lost and broken replacements you can get a replacement pair no questions asked anytime Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out the best deal of the new year. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code LONDONISBLUE, all one word, all caps, for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's right. London is blue, all caps, spelled just like the podcast. You know, the podcast you're listening to right now. You can see it in the title. All caps, one word, 50% off, two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try it out for yourself. The Shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people.
0: So as I said at the top of the show, maximum of 11 games left. Six league matches to go, potentially two FA Cup games, potentially three Champions League games. We're at the business end of it all. This is normally the part of the year where we do see Chelsea starting to to really chug along. Obviously, March and and that whole kind of period had some very, very mixed performances. I think Chelsea played well at points. I think they played terribly at points. Um, They lost games um, quite badly. Uh, They won games by the skin of their teeth at points. Um, But I think broadly as frustrating as the Conti Cup final loss was and the Man City loss was, I am not mad that we at least ended up in a Champions League semi-final. But Abdullah, with this uh, 11 in kind of (laughs) air quotes, 11 games left, where do you think Chelsea kind of stand? What are your expectations for this run to the end of the season? What do you think needs to be done for us to... Maybe feel a little bit better about where this team is right now.
1: I think there's probably two things in my mind. I think one is squad management and squad rotation. I think that is probably going to be the most key thing that Emma Hayes does because of, manage, because of the small squad that it is. And I know that there's not too many places to rotate. There are some you have more rotation than others. But I think being creative in that rotation um, becomes super important. So like you said... You know, we have some players who are versatile, so you can play Neve Charles in defense or attack. You can play Lauren James as a winger or as a striker. You can play, you know, Kankovich as an eight or a ten. You know, you, you've got players around. You can even play Eve Perisse in midfield if you really want to, and you can move somewhere. So I think being being creative in terms of who plays where and how, and depending on the game and how you can how you can do it, I think becomes super important. I think the second thing is um, I think tactically, I think Emma Hayes needs to have two plans because uh, right now I feel like there is it's it's there are there are points especially in that like you said in March where it was just kind of up and down and I felt like it was mainly down to the fact that it was probably just like one one and a half plans and in some games it worked and in some games it didn't work and in some games it was just because of sheer individual brilliance that Chelsea were able to get through even though tactically it wasn't great and my biggest concern with that is that is that I'm not saying that it doesn't work. It works. but And you always should have, I mean, like you look at Pep Guardiola or someone like that, he has plan A and only six to plan A and make sure that you're better than the opposition in plan A. But I feel like with Chelsea, while you can do that, there are teams who are going to be better than you and who are going to be able to figure it out. And I think to be able to counteract that, I think there needs to be a second plan or, or there needs to be I think not over adjustments, because there are I mean, you look at that Arsenal game and, and Emma Hayes changed the formation like three times in the first half. Like I think I think that's too much. And I think that, that just kind of puts uncertainty in, in the mind of the players and it tells the opposition that you don't know what you're doing, in a sense, if you keep changing it. So I think Emma Hayes needs to have two plans potentially for whatever the, the, the eleven games to go. And you look at the league games, you can probably get away with plan a for the majority of those games you say maybe arsenal's a little bit different but the majority of the games you can get away with it your fa cup games you may have to to resort to one or two plans but then i think the champions league has to be based on the opposition and based on what you're seeing there because that's probably where you need to be the most tactically savvy knowing that if you're playing against barcelona you're gonna have to change your tactics to to manage them because they're just gonna play one way and you know how they are and they're the plan A, they're the one of the few teams that have plan A and they can execute plan A to like eight, nine times out of 10 every single time. Um, and if you and, and then you get to the final against a Wolfsburg or an Arsenal, then you obviously ha- you can adjust and see how you can tr- you know throw your style in there. So I think for me, those two are the most important things, squad management and then having a plan A and a plan B to be able to uh, manage these 11 games.
0: Yeah, I think what I would add on top of that as well is, is concentration. Because I do feel yeah. like against Arsenal and against City, uh, I don't think Emma Hayes helped in either of these situations. But I felt like the, the starting eleven's concentration was really, really poor. And when players are playing a lot of games... It's natural that you're not going to be able to focus in the same way if you're more tired. I'm sure everyone's had that experience like when you're at work and you're just totally shattered and you can't like focus on getting anything done. I don't think it's any different if you're a footballer. Um, but with that, I'm hoping that even though quite a few of our players played a lot of minutes over the international break, that maybe the nature of those games gave them an opportunity to switch off from from Chelsea and, and the level of quality of games that we had to play in March. Because for me, when I look at the league and the FA Cup games, at least, for me, they are all games that can and potentially should be won. Arsenal at home is maybe the the slight asterisk on that. But even then, I feel like if we want to be champions, it's reasonable to say that we should be Arsenal. Um, I think they've had a very good march, but I don't think they've suddenly turned into some amazing team overnight. Uh, that's just, like, performance-wise, you know, even the Man City win, I don't think they were very good for large portions of that game. Um, and FA Cup as well, like, we should, I don't mean this as in, like, we will, but, like, given our quality, given the results we've had against them literally two weeks ago, we should beat Villa And then you've got an FA Cup final against either United or Brighton. We should win whoever we play there. The Champions League, then, is a different thing. And this is where the concentration thing, I think, becomes really important. Because the only way you beat Barcelona is if you don't make any mistakes. And that's what's been frustrating about Chelsea, I think, when we've been poor this season and in past seasons. is Lots of the time, the damage is very much self-inflicted. We saw it against Lyon. We saw it against City. We saw it against Arsenal in the Constantine Cup final these are matches not where I feel like we've been drastically outplayed it's been where we've made silly errors where players have passed the ball to to opposition players where players haven't tracked the runs of other players and I think if we're to have a successful last hopefully 11 games getting rid of that element of, of Chelsea is going to be so so important um, I hope it's a tiredness thing I hope it's not baked into the team I do think Sometimes it feels like maybe standards have been allowed to, to slip a little bit in, in, in that sense. But, you know, equally, there are a lot of good players in the squad, in the team. And I like to think that that they will find an extra level. Um, but that would, for me, would be the really big thing. Uh, I guess when you're talking about squad management, Adela, obviously another thing that came to mind for me is that there are three players who, I mean, there are more than three players injured, but there are three really key injuries, uh, two of which are long-term, one which hopefully is less so. Peniel Harder, Fran Kirby, Millie Bright. I really hope we see all three of these play in a Chelsea shirt at some point before the end of the season. Um, who is the most important uh, of those three? And do you think we need all three of them to come back if we're going to make a real success of this last round of games.
1: Um yes, I'm going to answer the second question first. I think all three are needed. I think you cannot understate the importance of each of them in different phases of our of of of, of our play and I think most importantly it's it's we the games that we've struggled in are usually the games where one of these three bails us out, right? Whether it's a Hard Harder solo goal, whether it's a Frank Kirby you know, pass, whether it's a Millibright interception, whatever it is, these three players are arguably three of Chelsea's most important players alongside Sam Kerr. And when you've been running without two of them for probably three, four, five, six months now, it's a huge problem. And I think you've got 11 games to go. Obviously, match fitness comes into it and everything, and they're going to need time to, to settle in. Um, but assuming you have something to play for in this case yes Chelsea still have the league to play for they have an FA Cup to play for and right now they have a Champions League to play for maybe the Champions League is too soon and you're gonna have to try and do this without the three of them maybe potentially two of them but if you can get through and then you can get through the semi-final against Villa and you keep winning your games in the league There's going to be moments in these eleven games where one of these three, if not all three of them, are going to come through, and they're going to try. They're going to save Chelsea, whether it's a ten minute cameo, whether it's a forty five minute cameo, whether it's a full ninety minutes. I don't know, but yeah, I think I think you can't understate the importance of all of any of them. And I think if you have to put a gun to my head and say who is the most important, I think it's got to be Millie Bright from just a defensive point of view because of, like you said, the concentration. I think Millie Bright has got the best concentration of their entire back four or of any of the defenders out of there because it's like no nonsense. If the ball is there and it needs to go, she will clear it. It's just no messing around. And I think that's what Chelsea have missed so much um like you said the ball has just been passed back out to players you you i remember you know the leon games is clearly especially in that first leg magda giving it to delphine cascarino who obviously missed but that could have easily changed the tie and the complexion of where we're at right now and just not being in a semi-final against barcelona um because of that one misplaced pass and there there were a few more of the sense from either buchanan or or new charles or whoever so I think if I had to pick one, I think Millie Bright. But otherwise, I think all three in terms of their individual brilliance and capacity and the way they they have this effect on this team, I think is 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 brilliant. And I'm telling you, we will see when we see Panillahada and Frank coming back in that starting lineup and playing, you're just everyone's just gonna be like, right, so that's what we were missing. It's like it's like you've gotten so used to not seeing them, and when you do see them and they're gonna do their thing, you're gonna be like Right, so this is what Chelsea's about. Okay, fair enough.
0: Yeah, we definitely deserve a Penela Harder swan song, I think, at Chelsea. And I feel like surely she must be very, very close. She's been in team training for a while now. She went and did some t- training with Denmark during the international break. Um, I don't know if they'll just save her for Barcelona, but I feel like surely she makes an appearance at some point across those two legs. Millie as well, obviously she's on crutches, but Serena Viegman seemed kind of positive. I don't know whether that was just in terms of uh, will Millie Bright go to the World Cup, which could equally mean you know doesn't play for Chelsea again this season because the World Cup isn't till mid July. <laughs> um, but uh, hopefully, I guess we uh, hopefully that that's one player who I'm hoping we maybe get some more clarity from Emma around. Don't know if that will happen, but uh, I, a guy can dream. Fran, Serena Vigman seems to think might not go to the World Cup so maybe we don't see her this season at all Um, I think she would just be an incredible boost from a vibes perspective I think everyone just feels better with Fran on the pitch and I think also everyone knows that Kirby's a player who when she comes back she tends to come back at a very high level Um, so I, I really hope we see her play again this season just because I literally adore her. Um, I really hope we see all three of them play again this season, but um, I would probably pick out, I do agree Millie Bright's like very, very important, but I do, I would pick out Panilla just because I think having been out for such a long time, it would be a massive, massive boost and it feels feasible for us to get her back for the Barcelona games. Um, I think she's got a lot of unfinished business with, with Barcelona and, I think we're owed a bit of a a vintage, uh, harder performance in the Champions League and it would be a great time for that to uh, reappear. Um, So that's the player I'm really crossing my fingers for because I just think that would be a massive boost and I think it would take a lot of the pressure off Sam as well. Um, So yeah, hopefully we'll get at least some of those three back at some point. Just to finish off, Abdullah, who would you like to see more of? as we head into these final games of the season, is there a player who you feel like excluding kind of the long-term injuries of Harder and Kirby, uh, a player who, who we maybe haven't seen as much of the season as you would have
1: liked? Jelena Kankovic is my only and always answer. I want to see Kankovic really be given this, this, this leading role. And I really feel like, you know, you talked about Panilla and Frank Kirby and everything. I think, I think that's the one player that has so much potential To give us this, the importance of of, from from an attacking perspective, she's the one player that I think that can really turn on the style, really be an important player, and just kind of lead Chelsea from from a creative perspective and a goal scoring perspective. She's done it. She's done it before multiple times, and you know probably one of the reasons she was bought in was on the you know on the off chance that you know a Panila does leave at the end of the season, and and I feel like her her skill on the ball her ability to be able to move across the pitch and her passing and everything I think is 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 unbelievable and I just don't think we've seen the best of Yelena Kankovic yet and she's not really had been given a run of games where you can really start seeing her shine through she's done it in, in bits so I think these 11 games could be the 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 homecoming of of Yelena kankovic and and we see her maybe lead Chelsea to one two if not three titles
0: yeah, I'll second that. Um, I think Cankovic has obviously been kind of unfortunate in the illness and injuries that have stopped her from getting a full run in the team. But I think she's been far and away of the options we've seen at number 10, the most exciting um, in terms of, of players who've been fit enough to play there. Um, I would also say that I feel like Eve Perisset had a bit of a, like, not even mixed season because I feel like every time she's played, she's been, like fine to good but all the reshuffling around defensive areas has I think maybe disrupted her a little bit and she's a player who I'd really like to see come into her own because um because I think she's been pretty decent every time we have seen her play I feel like she's someone else who you know ha, has maybe had some time to adjust had some time to get used to the to the league uh, and I hope she can really show us what she's all about in in some of these more crucial games too but we will leave it there for this episode Um, we'll obviously be back on Sunday after that Aston Villa semi-final game hopefully looking at another trip to Wembley but until then Chelsea fans you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high